Welcome to Seishura Podcast. I'm Scoot Magoo. I'm Jim Jam. And we have a one-two punch review. Not really an extravaganza. Uh, I mean, it, it, it can be in our own minds. You know what? Yeah, I mean, these are these are two albums that we're both looking forward to quite a bit. Yeah, definitely I've, like two. Uh, I mean, at least... One of them was the most anticipated album of the year for me. So, and they both were a little bit. I mean, there wasn't much lead up time to either release. Obviously, there was more. Uh, more there's more for Danny Brown. Yeah, there's more lead up time to to Danny Brown. You know, spoiler alert: that's the second album we're going to talk about. But still, I mean, both were kind of relatively um, announced in a, at least by today's standards. Um, but before we get yeah. to Danny Brown, the first one, this one was announced, what, maybe a couple weeks ago, right? I think it was announced the week before it came out. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is Ghostine? Ghost? Yep. Are we doing Ghostine? All right. Ghostine. That, 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 that's how he pronounces it in the song. But, okay. Uh, yeah. So Nick, by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, uh, an artist Hawk, that doesn't really yes. need much of an introduction, but I'm sure that Jimmy is more than capable of taking it away and providing that. So, uh, okay. I guess uh, post-punk legend nick cave uh comes for i think what this is like his 15th studio album it's it's like up there now yeah let me look it up because i i when you get to this level because i remember um oh my god was it skeleton tree yeah skeleton i just totally blanked on that but like that yeah, one seven the 17th yeah that uh, one the narrative was that it was a, a later one so yeah and it's crazy that he has continued being as high quality as he was, you know. Yeah, but I, I actually didn't listen to Push the Skyway when it came out, uh, and I, I, I still haven't listened to it. But that I one still was... haven't listened to it either. I actually put it on a little bit today because I, I wanted to try to listen to it, Skeleton Tree, and Ghosting all in one mm-hmm. take, um, just because it's supposed to be part of this whole trilogy. But it's that that's that's a lot of listening, even though you know I. I'm very positive. I'll just say I'm positive about all of it. So, um, you know, it's just, but it's, it, and look, Nick Cave has had an interesting career, you know, starting off, you know, with like sort of post-punky noise, Rocky roots with, uh, you know, his really early days with the birthday party. And then, you know, early Nick Cave and the bad seeds. And he sort of, you know, went into like the strange, like alt rock direction with like let love in and Henry's dream. And, did a little bit of folk with like murder ballads and he's he's kind of just run the gamut at this point mm-hmm. and you know this decade has found him doing this really strange strain of like i don't even know what to call it, like experimental rock and like spoken word and like it's it, almost post-rock in a way um like like it has these very that there's a lot of droning and a lot mm-hmm. of atmosphere and you know this album this new album is no different um you know it's a very meditative um very thought-provoking listen it's not something that you can just like put on for shits and giggles in a way um and i mean you know let's just get to it now and this is the first album technically that is nick cave dealing with the loss of his child you know one of his children Mm -hmm. uh who passed away during the recording of skeleton tree uh from i guess he's like had like fallen 
or you know down a cliff or something like that and yeah it's just just yeah you know some something i i can't even comprehend i mean even beyond the fact that i'm i'm not a parent um but you know just it's um yeah i i think what makes nick cave tackling this topic i don't know if interesting is the most appropriate word but i'm just gonna say just interesting or maybe uh, um, compelling yeah compelling it's just because he's never been one to shy away from you know very macabre topics Mm -hmm. in you know in his music i mean murder ballad the entire album murder ballads is just about murder like you know and it gets to some really weird places um i'm trying to think of of there's there's this one song that's like all about like I don't know, just getting getting like fucked in the ass about what, and then getting murdered, and it's like a whole. Oh, uh, staggerly, I think it's staggerly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it, it's um, what Nick Cave is presenting to us on this album is definitely not um, the easiest listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even including the fact that it's a double album technically, um, with, you know, the last side of it being, uh, three tracks, all of which accumulate, uh, half an hour. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a lot to chew on. It's a lot to mull on. Uh, but I, I'm going to be, I, I really love this thing. Like I, it, 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 it like it was like one of those listens like i mean i i listened to this and danny brown um i've listened to this every single day since it, since they've both come out um and just every time i'm just wowed by this album and like sort of the the album cover too is just gorgeous um yeah but i, I want to spin it over to you i, I sort of want to know what what you think about this and we'll sort of start start duking it out verbally <laughs> yeah i i feel like it's important to you mentioned listening to a number of nick cave albums in a row uh specifically i think listening to skeleton tree and gustine um at this or, or yeah no, at the same time i, I mean you know, i concurrently or yeah. consecutively what have you uh it's helpful because i feel like they're two different sonic palettes that deal with the you know the same obviously horrifically tragic event i i i don't know if skeleton tree really deals with it to be totally honest um i think a lot of people i think i think a lot of the music press made a lot of claims about that um but i mean it's been stated that you know his son died during the process of making it oh okay you could argue that the lyrics and everything and and i want to say that a lot of lyrics were kind of like off the dome in a way for him Hmm. in this case but i'm not entirely sure i I just know that what the media purports about it wasn't really as much or you know like i i think the level of which we think it's influenced you know this skeleton tree is i i i I don't i don't think we'll ever really know the approx like so um yeah but I mean, they definitely both have this 
darkness to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they express it in different ways. For sure. Um, yeah. And I think that um, that's a, that's helpful context. For me, just as an outside listener, if I were to kind of editorialize, you know, regardless of what he had thought or, or you know, what the, the time frame was, uh, it, it sounds like both, you know, that the true embrace of the sadness of grief and loss, like, you know, like something like that on Skeleton Tree, mm-hmm. uh, but almost more of a, I mean, obviously the, the, it's it's somber, but still a celebration of life on Ghost Team because it, it's a beautiful record. You know, listen, yeah. listening to it, you know, not really focusing on the lyrics, just focusing on the music, how exceptionally arranged um, the instrumentation is, just how beautiful the atmospheres are. Um, you would think it was a gorgeous, almost somewhat uplifting. Obviously, there's there's a melancholic tinge to it that is um, definitely enhanced by knowing um, what this album is in response to. And I dig- mean, sorry to interrupt. They're just like, like I mean, the track Hollywood, uh, the final track on Ghostine, just I to me that's just all out like sadness, especially like the last like three minutes of it. You know, like, the, there's this whole story that he tells about, like, you know, this woman whose baby's, you know, dying, and she has, she tries to go everywhere to get it, to, you know, to get medicine to try to keep it alive, and, you know, there's nothing she can do about it, ultimately. Um, you know, they, it's, I, I, not to totally burst your bubble, just, for me, like, it, it just felt like, just straight up, like, I, I, I think it's just more that, he's attacking this subject matter in a different way like it doesn't it it, it granted doesn't like the album as a whole doesn't feel nearly as as just absolutely um just despairing as skeleton tree does yeah and again i think that the the lyrics and knowing the context there certainly aids that for for me just listening to it, you know, on first listen, really focusing on the music, second listen, you know, paying more attention to what he was saying. Um, I think you you can analyze this or, or at least receive this as something just purely as a beautiful piece of art. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, melancholy can be beautiful or, you know, I mean, that's why a lot of the songs they play at funerals um, can be kind of grandiose and can be kind of beautiful in a way. Um, it, it's as much a celebration of life as it is a mourning of loss and... I think that this album does a fantastic job of conveying the the mixed emotions that come with with kind of analyzing death and obviously um, mostly negative, but trying to find at least some solace and and whether that's just the pursuit of solace that you can't actually you know find a destination on or um, actually finding some level of of um, answers or some level of, of understanding of of you know what's happened um, but i think just purely instrumentally um anyone should be able to feel what this album is trying to say i feel like it's, it's incredibly emotive i loved mm. the arrangements throughout the way that yeah the strings were you were played the way that they they sounded uh, it, it, i, I love the the i really love the synthesizer it's like i really love that warm analog synth yeah. tone um which was like you know you got that like from the first second, so. yeah. And it felt real. It felt grandiose. It was such a large scale presentation. I think that, that bolstered his performance. You know, Nick Cave really felt like he was standing in front of a large orchestra of, of 
you know various instruments and players and what have you um and delivering these lyrics and these stories uh, as kind of a massive force in and of itself in front of um, these massive really textured layered compositions uh, i think it really came together in, in an impressive way um that you know it's weird but like i i, ne- I didn't really find this as like grandiose in a way as maybe you did like not, not to say that there weren't parts that were you know that had a lot of epic moments again i point to hollywood last track but um there's something just odd about the instrumental palette that he that he's presented on these last two albums because like they they have like this stripped back feel but yet they have this atmosphere to them at the same time which is seems completely contradictory in a sense but just sort of the way they're you know he's able to build up these things like um i'm trying to remember i think waiting for you there's like this like strange industrial beat that sort of starts it off um you know it's just interesting to sort of see where where it takes you where the instruments sort of you know come in you know like um there's 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 like i don't know if it's a tempo change or what at the end like i think it's like halfway through hollywood that is um like you can finally hear the bass for the first time and it sort of starts creating like this lumbering sound um but i i don't know all i'll say is is I, i just found this to be like more intimate than you know you would you would think with an instrumental palette like this yeah something that was interesting to me is how uh, i got a lot of notes of ambient music in a way Mm. kind of uh it it felt organic and earnest kind of like you're saying like it was very um i guess within grasp but at the same time uh, kind of what permeated from that core just had a a big impact. You know, like if you listen to, I know you're not a big fan of gas, but <laughs> I got a, a little bit of a some comparison only in the sense that the... There's a lot of repetition. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. And I think the main thing is that, you know, gas's instrumentals really aren't made up of a lot of individual elements per, per se, or they're not made, yeah. made up of a lot of individual sonic pieces for lack of a better term but the effect is is rather large and rather um impactful at least for me yeah uh, I, th- th- I i felt like the the i mean it's it definitely has some ambient ties to it um it's nowhere near as alienating as skeleton tree though like i sure i, I found i and i'm not sure i'm not sure if it was jesus alone or the I think it was the next track, which I think is the Anthropocene. I I, I want to say, but um, there's there's that track in Skeleton Tree that has like these drums that like aren't used for rhythm. Mm-hmm. They're just like ambient to sort of create an effect, and those threw me off the first time I listened to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, whereas this is a little more digestible. You sure. know, and considering just all the orchestration and everything that go, sort of goes into it, that, that there's it's a lot, it's a lot more beautiful. But I think you're also dealing with, you know, again, long album and you know, um, sort of just a structure that isn't really typical um, for you know someone. It's it's not it's not something you would expect of a musician like Nick Cave. Not to say that this mm-hmm. is a bad thing whatsoever, um, but 
Yeah, so I I don't know you, you so so you're a fan or you're kind of lukewarm or no I, I really I I hope I haven't given off the impression oh, no, that I, I'm... I wasn't sure because um yeah I I just I I you know what we were talking about before we started recording you were uh, saying that you wanted to talk about you had more to talk about Danny Brown I wasn't sure whether. Yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, unfortunately, I think I mentioned earlier, I, I was moving this weekend. Uh, I didn't have as much time to listen to it as I wanted to, only had two full playthroughs, which uh, can be good for some albums. I feel like with this runtime, a little over an hour, uh, especially on the back end, uh, I really loved that second disc a lot. Yeah. I love the title track. I love Hot Hollywood. And I really liked how um, he was able to achieve, I feel like Fireflies, even though it was much shorter than the other two tracks, it, it had very much the same impact, but it was a different way. Like he shows that he can create this engulfing um, uh, kind of blend of sound and this really rich texture composition. He can do, you know, kind of a longer version of that. He can do a shorter version of that, but it still has the same impact. So I loved the first disc, but I almost, pref- I don't want to say maybe preferred, but I, I definitely was impressed by you know sometimes when artists include a second disc it's uh, it makes it feel too long yeah. or I mean, it's just l- not l- like it, it, it's like my uh like our last unpopular opinions episode that i you know one of my opinions was that like 99 percent of like all double albums are like unnecessarily long <laughs> yeah exactly but i felt like this this really it felt like um a grand finale that warranted its a second it warranted its own uh packaging yeah in a way and i i loved it and it was weird to me how an hour and eight minutes not that that's extraordinarily long i mean obviously you know we both love swans and they, they they've they've released you know a series of two you know a run of two hour albums you know yeah. three in a row um but i i did not feel fatigued like even after a second listen i just i didn't feel fatigued this whole time i think that it's just so compelling so well written i think what i was saying earlier is that it's just so undeniably well written that even if you you don't like it it's not really your thing uh, you can't deny like some classical pieces for example like i can't listen to the whole thing it doesn't really you know vibe with me ultimately i can totally appreciate the effort that went into it and clearly he poured so much emotion into this but didn't Mm didn't just make this an exercise and let me just pour my emotions on the page. He really took his time to craft it yeah. in a way that <laughs> he, he, he didn't mark Kozilek it in a way. That's actually a great, because I was trying to think of an example of someone doing that. I feel like that's a great example. Someone like Mark Kozilek, and I'm sure I could think of other people who literally just, you know, pour, pour their emotions or just kind of rambling or like, I just need to get this out. Well, and it's not well, I was going to say, um, uh, Phil Elverham too, maybe. Uh, which I, I wanted to talk about Matt Erie after right, after you're done, but okay, yeah. Oh, you, 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 you're all set. All right. Yeah, I'm interested to hear you take. <laughs> well, because um, after it, after I got done listening to him, because I I just can't help but think about, especially with Hollywood, you know, just sort of the loss that he's trying to portray, and you know, my mind immediately goes to you know, what was probably the saddest album of this decade, which is Mount Erie's A Crow Looked At Me, which I never really listened to. Uh, like, I think I listened to, like, the first track, and I was like, this is not for me. Uh, but the <laughs> other night, I ended up putting it on. I didn't listen to the whole thing. I think I was... I, I got through Ravens, I think. And I was... I, I mean, I was floored by it. I mean, I, I was... I, by the end of the first track, I was I, I was crying. 
Um, just, I mean, I, I guess maybe just, you know, ghosting took a lot out of me. And then just, you know, Crow looked at me, proceeded to just smash what, what whatever, uh, you know, uh, composure I had to bits. Uh, but I, I just, I couldn't help but notice that there was the, a similarity in that way between, in sort of, like, I, like I, I feel like A Crow Looked at Me is a good album to talk about in comparison with this thing, because I think there are certain similarities and contrasts that, you know, I, I think are better pointed out in, in comparison, basically, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I, I think with with Phil Elverham's record, you know, like that whole thing is just about him, you know, basically coming to terms with the fact that his wife is, and, and, and I mean, I mean terms in like the basis sense of the word, just even realizing, I mean, I think the first track of that album is called Death is Real, if I remember right. Yeah, it's, it's heart-wrenching. I actually, yeah. similar to you, I, I played that song aloud, um, it was soon after it came out, we were getting ready, Laura and I, in the morning. And I just, I come back into the room and she's just sobbing. Yeah. Because it's just, it's such a set, like there's it's, that one, there's one line that is just stuck with me even still. Um, and I love the album too, just, just to get that out yeah. there. But it's some along the lines of uh, like, he's looking, it's like his daughter's backpack or something for school. Oh, yeah. And it said, like, we, we, we picked that out together. You know, it's, it's a reminder of a life that you'll never be a part of I, or something. Like, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that line is devastating. I, that was exactly when I started crying. Like that's no such joke. a, I um uh, I really want to listen to that album some more. Um, I'm not sure how big of a fan of, I am of, but I think that that's a conversation for another time. But I was just thinking about just sort of the way he's talking about just that, like you know, Phil Elverum's, you know, still trying to you know cope with the shock, the just the realization that she is no, yeah. that his wife is no longer here. Whereas I I think, you know. The, the way Nick Cave sort of deals with this type of thing, or at least the way he portrays it in this artistic form, um, I, I don't want to say it shows more maturity, but I think it shows sort of a different mindset of grief um, in a way that, you know, he he sort of comes at it from like this abstract, almost like universal angle that he's like, you know, we're all gonna die like there's there's nobody on this earth who isn't gonna die Mm -hmm. you know and it's just like i I, there's sort of there's profound comfort in knowing that in a in a certain sense um not to get too deep into this record's like themes and everything which is you know i'm not always the biggest fan of this but i i i found that with the way this album is presented to us and composed, I, I think it makes the listener focus on this more than ever. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because, you know, like, I mean, the, the, while there are serious orchestration parts, you know, like that there are serious parts that are seriously composed, uh, it's still all pointing directly toward Nick Cave and his delivery mm-hmm. and the lyrical content. Um, and I mean, even even before this, this these last three albums, you know, Nick Cave has always you know been known as a very very great lyricist. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I just feel like it's I feel like it's it's possibly a more integral part of the album than on most music that comes out these days. And that like and not comparing this to like some sort of like trashy SoundCloud rapper, just more in that. Um, 
the content and the form really seem to be melding into each other on this album much more than uh, some other albums out there. Yeah, and I think to me, Mount Erie is just so... It's it's almost like he sat down to process, like kind of like you said, just in real time. Like what he recorded is just him yeah. in real time. This is me. Because frankly, I mean, I love the album, but it's not always fun to listen to. I mean, yeah. a lot of times it's just, it's super abrasive and you you understand why you understand you know where he's coming from just yeah. what he's saying how it's delivered is just super raw Th- that was and... sort of my issue with it actually was just that like yeah I, well it was more just in that his lyricism felt like it didn't like i felt like it was very off the dome in a way that, for like, sure so like you know he you know kind of used like the same words over and over again um which i mean i you know i i would argue for you know, a crow looked at me that just like the, the idea is, is not the, like exactly what the lyrics are saying, but more like the general idea of what they're implying that like, you know, someone's left this earth that you loved and, you know, you've left, you know, with, with a kid, you know, you, you've left a child without his mother, you know, or without her mother, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's sort of, so sort of the, the, the stuff behind the words in a way, but, I, I to bring this back to to ghosting i i just think that um there's just this way that nick cave does this that really really gets to me that i really love and i i i really want to listen to push the sky away and skeleton tree again just to get an idea for like what this sort of trilogy is that he's talking about because i i can kind of see it in a way but since I haven't listened to all of those albums, I can't really like confirm it, but like, mm-hmm. you know, you look at push the sky away and it seems like this, uh, you know, it just like just a name, like push the sky away. Or, you know, and if you look at the album cover, which is Nick cave, basically pointing at, uh, at his wife and who's completely naked telling her to go away. Basically. I think, um, <laughs> you know, like you get like this brutality almost, but then on like, you know, skeleton tree. Look at the cover of that. It's all stripped back. The only thing that's on it is literally the title and the band name. You know, and similarly, the music is very stripped back and very dark. And then now with this new one, we have like this beautiful, colorful oil painting uh, mm-hmm. of of like a nature scene. So it just it, it feels like you know, uh, almost like almost kind of like Kubler Ross's like stages of grief. But like, kind of like, cartman, like compartmentalized into like three separate, um, you know, eras. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I just found this overall to be just such a fantastic album. Um, yeah. I, I mean, this was again like this was something that that I like from like the first thirty seconds. I was just enamored. And, mm-hmm. you know, I considering how much of an impatient asshole I, I can be, <laughs> um, you know, the, the fact that this thing kept my attention for, you know, 68 minutes and not only 68 minutes, but like the fact that I listened to this every single day without complaint since it came out, I, I think says something. Uh, for sure. Because I think for, for some albums, there are like, like you know, I, I can't wait to get them over with, even if I think they're good. 
Like, I mean, like I love listening to like Swans, like to be kind, but that that doesn't mean I'm, I want to listen to that every day. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. Totally um, get it. Though I little side note, I actually just changed my ringtone so it's oxygen, but it's specifically oh. that 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 midway point where he where he just he just yells, you I steal all the oxygen," and then it just blows up. <laughs> so like the, 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 that's how it starts when everybody when anybody calls me now. <laughs> that's awesome yeah love um, it yeah just a little funny bit but yeah those are pretty much all my thoughts on this thing i i am i'm just enamored with it i already have it pre-ordered actually when it comes out in november um yeah 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 great album i mean i I probably would have listened to it regardless but i'm glad that you you kind of put it in front of me uh in this context because i i definitely left it wanting to listen to it more mm. um when i have more time this week i want to put it's, it on again it, and just continue one of those albums that's worth just sitting down to and just yeah. kind of enveloping yourself in like i mean 100%. Like, like you mentioned it, it it has a very ambient sort of quality to it uh just for sure yeah so um you ready to move on then i think so yeah this one's gonna be this one's gonna okay let's just dive in yeah um so do danny Danny brown yeah you know what i'm saying uh this is the (laughs) it's probably i he came up with the hybrid and that was before he became danny brown that really blew up i don't think he had any releases before that so this would be his fifth album the fourth since he's been you know quote unquote the dan you know danny brown the one that everyone knows because the hybrid was really like a gritty detroit rap album uh and then triple x was just a huge jump out of nowhere yeah he became the you know the demon with no tooth or whatever whatever nickname you want to call him triple x was so fucking good so good uh old um definitely saw some growing pains with do i want to be this experimental gritty rapper do i want to be kind of like a party rapper make these like you know, weird over the top beats. And he literally, he just decided to do both side a side B, which I, I I think with the trusty exhibition, he kind of ended up combining both of those. Exactly. Which is what I was going to say is that I, the novelty of having a side a side B was cool, but it inherently made it like a double album, even though it kind of was, it was, it, definitely you wanted him to combine it and go full forth full force and i think he totally did that on atrocity exhibition yeah which I, is my favorite of I, everything he's I done agreed I, I i even with this album um you know having listened to this album i trust exhibition is still my favorite i i think it's it, it could go down as as one like i think for me it's the best hip-hop album of the decade um you know it's just i would probably i i think i'm trying to go back in time in my brain but i would agree just because i feel like some of the beats he rapped over i mean you never would expect someone to yeah to rap over a beat like that he was able to totally um balance all of the different aspects of his personality and it really left me thinking where's he gonna go from here yeah. you know he accomplished so much he had such an incredible list of features that you know crossed uh, old rappers, new rappers, you know, the production was fantastic. Yeah. He had some songs. Uh, you know, we had Black Milk on production on a bunch of beats. We, you know, Really mm-hmm. Doe had uh, Kendrick, Absol, yeah. and uh, Earl Sweatshirt, you know, all on the same yeah. track. Um, you had, I think, When It Rains, which was an ode to Detroit, you know, early Detroit house music, which that beat is phenomenal, and yeah. it, it just it or, sounds so weird. But, but, but my favorite White Lines, which is like that weird piano riff, which, yeah. 
I, I love uh, Ain't It Funny, just like the way that Ain't that... Ain't it funny that, how it happens? The, the mm-hmm. way the horns come in, and it's just yeah. so danceable and fucked up and weird. It's, oh, yeah, it's so great. It's, I, and I think, you know, before we get into this next album and sort of the context of it, um, I, I think what makes Atrocity Exhibition so well, it, so good, is, you know, what I've said previous with Nick Cave, just that content influences form, and form influences content, that no one is above the other. That mm. they sort of, it's like a yin and yang, that, that they really, they, they end up uh, complementing each other to such a degree that it sort of transcends what you know uh what a normal rap album could be um you know so with this with this new one you know danny brown had some pretty big shoes to fill um and you know leading up to it there, there was some speculation you know he he mentioned that he was gonna be working with a legendary producer who turned out to be q-tip which we, we did an episode about that already that we're mm-hmm. like, eh, we're like, we're not really sure how that would work, especially just. <coughs> at, Excuse me, sorry. Uh, I think also just considering, um, sort of how out there Atrocity Exhibition's production was compared to what you usually expect from a Q-tip production. Um, so you know, a lot of the stuff. Then the you know the first two singles, um, I think "Dirty Laundry" and "Best Life," if I remember right, are um, you know, I, I found like they were just okay. Um, then they had three tiers that came out last week with, uh, it's the one with from the jewels on it, which we, we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, is... we, so basically like, I, the, the best way I can describe my feelings about this album is that I kind of don't know <laughs> in a way. Um, yeah. Cause, cause like, so it's weird. Like, so when I, when I first listened to this thing on Friday, like, I went into it in like by like the second track, which um, let me get my notes because I I there was something um bu- 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 yeah uh, the the second track theme song has like this really weird vocal snippet that just keeps showing up and it really just got annoying like the superstar or whatever mm-hmm. yeah yeah um I found that to get really annoying and like you know the three tears like I didn't think the beat on that was really good. Uh, I thought Run the Jewels like made a pretty cool feature, though. Um, you know, like like so throughout this thing, there were some serious issues that I had with it. Like um, like uh, so the feature who's on Belly of the Beast and the title track, I'm gonna try to say his name. I'm probably gonna butcher it. I'm sorry. Obong Jayar, uh, Obong Jayar, however you say it. Mm. I, I found his appearances to be completely just not good oh thank you yeah it, it added the tr- it was like this he brought like a weird reggae vibe well, which you, didn't it didn't fit any of the songs he was you on. know what it reminded me of today as i was listening to it was um rolling stone off of atrocity exhibition you know i can see that yeah, yeah. But, but 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 it did not go over well i, I yeah, felt, it didn't fit. yeah i just felt like it was a total waste of a feature in, in a way um you know and then the production as a whole was just I just felt like it wasn't very complimentary to Danny, you know, to, to Danny's style, uh, for the most part. I, I will say, and I'm gonna probably say this again a couple times. Uh, track Savage, Mo- Savage Nomad is fucking great, fucking fire, best track on the album. I loved it. Uh, just awesome, awesome production, awesome verses, just like really just spitting some bars on that thing. Um, you know, so I, you know, I went into this 
being like really like i don't know not not necessarily underwhelmed but like disappointed really by its flaws but as i've listened to this more and more i've actually come to really like it but at the same time i still have those complaints which i still feel like are very valid complaints <laughs> so it's like the best way i can describe my feelings is just like i don't know i guess it's complicated <laughs> like like like, yeah. like a facebook status is complicated um but like it's it's more like I, I like this thing despite the flaws, but with mm-hmm. that being said, I'm not gonna I can't look past those flaws. Yeah. Um I'll say I really am I'm really glad that we don't record like on Saturday morning or like Friday night or anything <laughs> like that, because my first listen, I was really, really negative about this. Yeah, me me too. Um and something I want to get out of the way, which was weird, is the one thing I was super worried about going into this actually was my favorite part of the album i thought the production was really good across this whole thing um uh, I, I, which for me i mean there were some beats i like better than others there and there is kind of a, a core flaw that i'll get to later the, but like basically the, the best way i can because i i thought the production was fine like i there was never like you know there were production choices that it was more like i didn't felt like they fit danny's style i just it didn't mean that they were bad on their own though and i think that that was my biggest complaint here is that i think there's nothing on here that's actually you know really bad except maybe that avant jair feature um but the thing is these these you know separate these disparate parts don't always add up to a cohesive experience and and i think that's where i was going but you know just to to finish up real quick he like i was so worried about what and and i know jpeg mafia for example he produced three tiers yeah i know that they had a few different producers that helped out but you know q-tip you know reportedly by danny had his hand on a lot of this and you know when i think of producers that fit danny brown's style can't really say q-tip comes to mind but I was I thought the production of this was at the very least every song I thought was at, the, at at least fine yeah and some of the beats I loved a lot I loved change up a ton I thought it was a great intro track it was you know really gorgeous moody textures and I thought that that really had me fucked up because I thought Danny his inflection like his energy level matched the production really well and I was like okay we're gonna go somewhere because kind of like you Jimmy I didn't really like I didn't hate any of the lead singles. I didn't really love any of the lead singles, and I was really worried about it. Mm. But yeah, from there on out, throughout the rest of the album, I have some extensive notes. But frankly, I can just I can just kind of sum it up that I don't know what the deal was. I don't know what the thought process was, but Danny's energy was really low through a lot of this well, album. Like so his rapping. I I actually disagree, but but go on with your point. I just I don't think. He didn't, like, I noted it specifically on combat. Like, he just has kind of a lethargic flow throughout where it's kind of his gritty, like, a deep voice flow. But it just, it kind of just chugged along. It wasn't that interesting. And then at the end, it's when he got a little higher pitched and started to go in kind of more along the lines of what he usually does. And it sounded so much better. Like, I just really, I felt like a lot of his... Verses were fine. There was only one verse that I thought was really bad. And of course I wrote it down because it was amazing. Yeah, well, well, it was on Bell- Belly of the Beast. Your bitch like a leech on my scrotum. Ho tried to kill the, s- the dick, strangle him and choke him. After she was done, I looked down at my penis like she really ain't mean it. And just like the way he delivered it was like really. 
lazy and just kind of sounded super goofy like it was it's funny but yeah i don't i just i didn't get a there weren't a ton of i i felt the same way there was if we're just going to talk about cringy lines there's uh one on on um freaking dirty laundry it's um fuck a bitch two times call it deja vu fuck a stripper for some change actual change dime penny nickels actual change which is like i, I found yeah. it i just did not like that line i just i it I, to be fair this is a bias of mine that like I, I really find it lazy when like a rapper or a poet uses the same word to rhyme with another word mm-hmm. like i i just i'm like like you have a whole fucking thesaurus and like i'm not saying you need to pick like the most esoteric word out there but like you know like just apply some effort please (laughs) yeah Uh, and i just i never there was no track on this where you know there were tracks where i thought he rapped better i think the most complete song after listening to this whole thing best life for me was the most genuinely complete song like i feel like the beat was good um interesting beat on that yeah it was it was good beat i felt like he rapped on that like the hook was fine um like three tiers i actually i thought the rtj sample or the uh, feature was pretty like i feel like i could have written in my head like it was very um i don't want to say phoned in because they both were good but it just it didn't it wasn't anything special yeah i I mean i I think you know when you have run the jewels on a feature i think you you sort of know what you're getting into in a way and so yeah and so like i enjoy it for that point alone because i i consider myself a run the jewels fan um yeah me too i just i when i when i saw that collaboration i was and i didn't get that any of the albums so i kind of had to temper my expectations out you know next few listens i wanted like a really crazy danny b and then like they just kind of go in hard because well i mean that, that, that's what i feel like savage nomad was but um you know yeah savage, savage nomad was great that reminded me of almost like a blockhead beat you know even yeah for Aesop, it, it, like an it older, does have a blockhead type of sound to it um and i love at the end i kind of it kind of made me want to hear danny rap going crazy over this but like the drum break at the end I thought was really really cool, and I'd love to hear Danny just rap over almost like a breakbeat. That um, that would be super cool. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I, um, what, what, what some you, other oh, what were you some go? other yeah. the, the ends because the, the features. I was looking forward to all. Actually, there was one feature I wasn't looking forward to that ended up being my favorite. I thought the JPEG Mafia fe- feature was a, a huge waste on Spiritual. Not going to say the full name. Yeah. But I thought it was a huge waste on Spiritual. Like He just kind of did a weird like half-singing hook that wasn't very memorable on, on that track. I was looking I, forward to him I, rapping. I, I Honestly, I've listened to this thing for like the since Friday, and I cannot remember JPEG Mafia's first you know, contributions yeah. to it. So. It, it was not very good. Uh, I was like, but, "Oh, okay, that sucks." But but, but I, I felt the same way about uh, Blood Orange and Shine. Too. Actually, that's funny because that's what I was gonna say is that I, Shine. It felt like almost like a Tim Hecker beat. Like it, it almost felt like Danny rapping over like this really like somewhat aggressive ambient music. And then I, from what I've heard of Blood Orange, I've never been a big fan, but I kind of yeah. liked it. I liked what he brought to the track. It was something a little different. Uh, it's the kind of experimentation that I didn't get on most of the album because most of the album felt like um it just was a notch down in energy level and urgency and and kind of the abstract stuff that he had done on atrocity exhibition it just felt like him trying to it, it kind of felt like his another 
what am I trying to say? Like another side of that old dilemma, like the side A, side B. Mm. Like he's like, I kind of want to make another album akin to the hybrid, but I don't really want to go all the way back to that kind of straightforward style. So we kind of hit this middle ground where you can view it as somewhat of a straight or kind of as straightforward hip hop as Danny can get. But at the same time, it's not totally in that direction because he did keep some, you know, the ex- experimentation yeah. he's always had. I don't know. Like I, I felt like it, it tried to strike a happy medium, and it just kind of it felt a little middling to me in the end. So um, we brought up a couple points I really want to get to. So I think first off, with you said that like Danny's energy level is kind of really low on this thing. And I think that this sort of plays into the production too. That I, I feel like he's kind of flipping the script on you know atrocity exhibition. That instead of having that balance, which I mean I I I, I do prefer. Um, I think he's trying to go more lyric heavy on it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that you, so, you know, you, you don't hear the, the, the aggression as much, uh, but I think the wordplay, uh, I, I think has jumped up a notch a bit, uh, you know, and I, I think sort of the way those verses interact with, um, you know, with, with the beat as a whole, I think is, I feel like there's a little more interplay there. Um, like in Dirty Laundry, like, which again, isn't, isn't my favorite track off of this thing, but there is a, uh, there's a point where like the beat really starts like pumping up. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really cool. Like I, it, like I, I felt like it really, it added some more energy to the song I, really, I just i think i just thought that was really cool um you know and that, like there are many examples of that uh, throughout you know i mean I, I think savage nomad is still like the best one to really talk about but you know the like i think there's i i just think it's 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 a different album like i i don't think he was he obviously wasn't trying to make atrocity exhibition too um and i mean I, I think that's a good thing in a way because i you know i Danny seems like one of those artists who's always like really hungry for like mm-hmm. to try something new. Um, and so, you know, I, I you know, I, I feel like, you know, you should let an artist do what he wants, you know? So, yeah. And, and that's why ultimately, um, that's why I kept agreeing when you were giving your initial, the fact that you don't know what to feel. Uh, yeah. I think that's, that's why I'm so glad that we waited a few days. Cause I listened to it a ton uh, when it first I think it listed because it's so short, which yeah. is another thing I'm a little disappointed by. But you know, that, that, that's you know, it's kind of like whatever. me a short album, but that, that, that's yeah. just me. Yeah, uh, I, but you know, I listened to it a ton on Friday just because I could. You know, you listen listen to it twice in the amount of time you could usually listen to. You know, one album, you know, normal length album that I'll I'll put on, um, and then listen to it again today, just trying to unpack it, just trying trying to understand how I felt about it, and I'm kind of the same way that. Ultimately, I am a little disappointed. I don't think I'll be able to shake my disappointment. I don't think I'll be able to shake some of the issues I have with it. But I'm still going to buy it on CD. You know, I have all his other stuff yeah. on CD. Um, there's still a lot of stuff about it I like. You know, he, it's still, even if it's not as crazy as he's been in the past, I mean, it's still more experimental than most modern rappers, you know, by a long shot in some in some instances. Yeah. And it's just, it's still... There were very few moments where I was like, ooh, this just isn't good. Or like, ooh, I really like just don't like... There but, was somewhere I'm like, I just don't like this as much as... It, it, it took a while to get to that point, though. Yeah, and I think that's what will always linger over this, is that it really... It, the fact that it wasn't... Like, all of his other stuff has been super immediate to me. And maybe mm. it just it will take 
more listens. Maybe I'll, I'll you know, it'll grow on me over time. But maybe. I think that, you know, maybe it won't. Maybe it'll, you know, well, thankfully I've reached a point where I'm in the middle, which is. So I, I actually, you know, even though I say nothing but good things about Atrocity Exhibition, I actually really didn't like it at first. I remember that. Yeah. yeah like really didn't like it. Uh, and it took me a long time to really get into it. I would probably say the same thing about Triple X, too. Uh, you know, it was just not like, and I, you know, um, the needle drop, you know, uh, on his track reviews, uh, roundup thing that he does on Sundays, he just did, um, one for, he was, he was talking about, I think he was talking about three tiers. Um, and he was just saying that like, you know, offhandedly that like Danny's more of a, he's more of a grower than a shower in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think that really speaks volumes for this album in particular, because, you know, it's not if you listen to it for the first time, it's, it's really not going to seem special unless you're just like absolutely obsessed with Danny Brown. Um, you know, it's, it's, it really needs concurrent listens because I know that like the more I list, like nowadays, like I've listened to atrocity exhibition so much that like, I just, I enjoy it. Like just every single second of it. Um, you know, so I, I, I think it's just like, you really need time to get, through this thing even and it's it's not too long so you can just listen to it over and over again um i also want to get i I, what the fuck is with this album art this is easily the worst album art danny brown has ever had (laughs) i think that's part of what threw me off so much is that it seemed so memey and over the top that i thought it was going to be like almost atrocity exhibition but goofy because obviously you know oh god really you, you said the dirty laundry music video right I didn't actually. Oh yeah, maybe don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to look it up now. Because it's it, it's but, basically um... Danny Brown wearing the uh, wearing fucking um, David Burns suit from like that Talking Heads <laughs> concert thing, and and just like rapping about you know just fucking laundry. It's just it's so ridiculous. Uh, it, I mean, it's just it's very exemplary of this album cover. But I just like after seeing atrocity exhibitions album cover and sort of all the artwork that was associated with that album like mm. i found that to be so freaking cool like just all the glitches and you know what have you like like i'm a really big fan of that so i again biased but like this one was just like what and i mean it like i will say i i like how there's one danny in in this in this photo uh, on the album cover that's looking the other way <laughs> But yeah, I th- I just think that's really funny for some reason. Um, but yeah, it was it, th- this thing's definitely not um, an easy album to take in, in a sense. Um, like I think if you just went into this like sort of not knowing anything about Danny Brown, I think this would be an enjoyable experience. But I think if you listen to Atrocity Exhibition and you really got into him through Atrocity Exhibition, you know th- this is a tough sell. Uh, not not to say that it isn't worth your time though. Yeah, I I, I definitely think um, this is a worthwhile album. You know, yeah. I, I am glad that I I gave it more of a, a chance because I was not at all. I was I, this would have been a very different review from my end if we had reviewed it sooner. Me too. But, Me too. You know, I, I I don't think this will ever. Uh, reach the level you know maybe it'll grow on me a little bit more i don't think it'll ever reach the level of his his other projects but um certainly if you like danny brown if you're interested about what he's doing uh 
regardless, this is worth a listen. Yeah. Although I would say definitely check out his older stuff because yeah, I would pick definitely. I would pick any of his past three albums over this. I've actually never listened to the hybrid, um, which I really should. But um, uh, yeah, actually, now that you mentioned that, I probably would pick this over the hybrid just because I feel like this is weirder. Um, it's, it's more mature. I mean, I, not to say yeah. that I listen to the hybrid again, but you know, I I can probably just assume but um i there's one thing i want to talk about first before we uh we 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 put this review to bed um that's uh the fact that flying lotus shows up on this album uh producing the song you know spiritual (laughs) did he yeah which you know again i'm like why not have a whole fucking album of you guys together because like think about it like I was actually thinking this on Friday, and I I actually didn't even know that Flying Lotus had any hand in this thing until I just looked at this right now. But, like, when I listened to it for the first time on Friday, I'm like, okay, so, like, you, both of you guys have, you know, two of the most anticipated albums of the year and simultaneously two of the most disappointing albums of the year. And, it, again, this was me on Friday, so this is me being negative. So I'm like... Wouldn't it make more sense to work together and come out with an album that that would actually match both of your and like your guys' energy? <laughs> yeah, because other than the, other than the JPEG Mafia, uh, like that really bad hook, that was a really pretty good song. So yeah. I would I would love I, to hear that. I thought you were talking to talk about JPEG Mafia's um his his production credit on Three Tears. No, because... I, I I meant that like yeah. on Spiritual, where it was just yeah uh, yeah it was super unmemorable. I, just I because like I, I remember when um. When Fantano was reviewing Three Tears, and he was like, "Oh man, that JPEG Mafia beat so freaking good," and I listened to it, I'm like, "No, <laughs> like, like bullshit. This thing's fucking lazy." <laughs> like, yeah, I, I... Um, but th- th- that's just me. I, I so yeah, I all around positive vibes, but the that positivity took a long time to get to where it is. So for sure, basically, there, there's always room to grow for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yep. That's all I have. Um, yeah. Same. Yep. All right. Well, I guess that that is that is it for reviews. Let's talk about albums of the week. Uh, Scoots, you got an album of the week for me? Yeah, I reviewed this very positively on Friday. Uh, I've always loved this band. Um, oh, di- uh, wait. C- can I guess this or? Am I allowed? Well, to? I mean, uh, I mean, it's just not gonna be that hard to guess since I only, only reviewed one album. On yeah, uh, did uh, did Dysrhythmia, uh, Dysrhythmia album? Yeah, Terminal Threshold. Uh, always been a, a fan of this band. Uh, it is the members. Uh, it's uh, Kevin Hufnagel and Colin Marston in such bands as Kralis and Gorguts, uh, Behold the Octopus. Uh, just very, you know, highly regarded bands and kind of like the you know quote unquote scronk or like experimental like math metal whatever you want to call it and they've always uh, they've blended like prog metal with you know math rock and different stuff and it's always been interesting and just like angular uh, aggressive riffing and i felt like this is arguably their best yet they have a ton of good albums but this really hit me in a different way because of the way that it um played with old school death metal and technical thrash metal like i I it never got into like there's no blast beats or anything like that but it really played with i think what i used in my review is it feels like primus uh playing instrumental death covers 
um, which uh, <laughs> well, which actually isn't too far off though, because Larry Lalonde was part of uh, freaking uh, Possessed. Possessed, yeah. yeah. No, and and you know, there's different. Uh, you can hear influences from like atheists and pestilence and, and you know death, obviously. But like you hear, you know, these crazy progressions, and then these um, they blow into these weird like spacey kind of proggy. Uh, thrash uh kind of like vector in a way or like that kind of like um proggy thrash type of stuff but it's just super it's technical but also memorable at the same time which is hard to do because there's other bands i think um i hate to shit on a band in my album of the week segment but like there's a band called uh, i think gary on i forget it might even have marston in it but it's just it's a strictly just a bass drum duo and it feels like just kind of technical riffing for the sake of it, and it just doesn't mm-hmm. really work. Whereas I feel like Disrhythmia, especially on this album, pulls it off very well. And I'm a big, it's one of my favorite metal albums of the year. Just a really excellent, that's, excellent release. It's a high watermark for you, too. So. Yeah, just, I, I mean, I, I don't often reach out to PR for, for promos. I usually wait till it comes in, but I reached out and said, hey, I really want to review this just because I was excited to hear it. Uh, the lead single was uh, fantastic. Uh, what's it called? I think uh, Twin Stalkers. Uh, that is just the that is just such a catchy hook, which is weird to say for bath metal. Mm-hmm. But like the way that they progress that riff and just kind of grow it with each repetition and each um, section of the song is is just phenomenal. And yeah, it's it's, it's quickly... Uh, I loved it on first listen, and it's only grown on me with each subsequent listen. Nice, nice. Um, yeah. So, I'm I, I had sort of trouble trying to figure out what my album of the week is because mostly I've just been listening to new Danny Brown and new uh, Nick Cave, and I was actually going to give it to Nick Cave, but uh, there's one album that's sort of been on my mind for the past couple of days, and that's um, uh, Hototo Gisu and Prurient's uh, collaborative album called uh, Snail and a Razor, which we talked about uh because i bought it not too long ago when we went to portsmouth mm-hmm. and yeah. uh god listening to that thing was like yeah i, I mean look it's, it's it's not like it's gonna i mean it, it's it's harsh noise at its finest like so it's it's mm. it's not like it's gonna like blow your mind in the sense that it's something com- so completely new that you know it'll just wreck every sense of of normalcy for you it, yeah but it's just more like it's just it's it's a it's a genre just it, it's a it's an album done right it's just it's so really it's just like just so abrasive at times and it just it basically has everything i love about noise sort of packed into it uh you know i really want i can't wait to listen to it again i actually have um uh, per, um, no, not per, uh, Mersbau's, uh Toro machine coming in this week too. So uh, I'm kind of on a noise kick as of late. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so snail on a razor. Awesome. Here we go. All right, that has been our episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace out. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. 
And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about, or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter. And our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.